0: Most of us have heard of the philosopher Aristotle. He had a godless philosophy of life, but even godless people say some things that are right. And uh, he said this: He said, Memory is the scribe of the soul that is written on the tablets of our hearts. And I want to say to you this morning that I have many precious and fond memories that are written on the tablets of my heart about the last year and a half here at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Since I retired 15 years ago, I've had the privilege of speaking, I think, in 27 different churches. A number of them have been non-Baptist churches. And I think this is a fourth interim. So this morning marks the end of any in interim, I will not take any more interims. <laughs> I will. I may preach occasionally if I'm asked to do it, but I will not be taking any interim. But let me say, and I'm honest and I want you to hear me, uh, this has been my favorite interim. And I appreciate y'all letting me come. My wife and I, she comments occasionally, she'll say, you know, there's so many precious people at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. I feel like I've come full circle. I was over 43 years at Franklin Heights, and this church had the vision to start that mission in 1959 or 1960, and I came in 67. So this has been a joyful journey for me. I promise that I will continue to pray for you I'm excited about your new pastor. I haven't met him, but I just believe that you're going to have a wonderful time together. Let me underscore your recognition of Brother Fred Tudor's service here. I don't think I have come to this church more than a time or two in the last 15 months that he was not here doing something, and he has been a source of encouragement, so very helpful if I had questions and ready to help me. And I do appreciate him. I appreciate the music here, your pianist, the praise team, the choir. I just appreciate that you allowed me to share this year with you. So thank you. And I will say this, that uh, after I've given the pastor a little time, I'm going to sneak in here one Sunday. And uh, check on y'all, so uh, y'all be ready. I want to end our time together by talking about three things that I want you to remember. Our Lord talked about memory, written on the front of that uh, communion table. He reminded us to remember him when we drank the wine and ate the bread. Aristotle said, memories are engraved on the tablets of our hearts. And so Paul, in writing to Philippians, it was one of his favorite churches because he had very little criticism, if any, in the book. And in chapter 1, verse 3, listen to these words. And as I read these words, it seemed to resonate with me about some of my feelings about you folks. Paul said, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership and the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul said, when you look at the, or Jesus said, when you take communion, it's what he instituted, he said, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. And then in John 15, Jesus said, Remember the words that I have spoken to you. And so if you would allow me to ask you to remember three things. I I believe Pastor Trevor would agree with these. He may add more. I probably would add more if I had more time. But I want you to remember three things. First of all, I want you to remember how important unity is In the church. In Psalms 133, the psalmist said, How good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. Let me say, at the very core of the heart of God, there is a desire for his people to be in unity. In fact, I would go so far as to say, the very heart of God is one of unity. Jesus said, I am the Father, we're one. And we talk about God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and uh, God the Son, who is one God. And I believe unity is important in the church. Unity is important in the home. I believe marriages prosper and grow and last when there is unity. Now, unity is not the same thing as uniformity. We come from different backgrounds. We have different views, but because of who we are in Christ Jesus, there ought to be unity. When I was a younger man, I uh, would always, um, oftentimes, when I did revivals, and I did my fair share, I started to count up the number of revivals that I've held in my life and I just did not have time to do it but oftentimes that this is not true anymore first of all we don't have revival meetings like we used to times have changed but I often did in addition to my sermon I would do children's sermons and the children would come to the front the little boys and the little girls and one of my children's sermons I'm going to show you this is a bundle of toothpicks And I would choose one little boy, always a little boy I would choose to come to the, they would be at the front, and I would say, now, young man, see if you can break this toothpick. And, of course, being the little boy, little boys like to be strong, particularly if there are little girls there. Now, you know, the president of Harvard cannot define the difference between men and women. Well, I can do that for you. The Bible tells us that God created man and he created woman. And I tell you, there's a wonderful difference between the two. Little boys are different from little girls. And so I would say to that little boy, break that. And, And he would break that and I would give him this bundle of toothpicks that is wrapped with a rubber band. I says, now see if you can break that. And of course, so far, no little boy could break that band of toothpicks. And I would say that this band around the toothpicks represents our love for Jesus and that we are bound together in unity. And so let me leave, with you, leave you with the thought that unity may be the very best gift you could give to your new pastor and it would be a great, wonderful gift to the Lord. I believe, as far as I know, that this church has unity. Not one time in the year and a half that I've been here has one person said to me, you know that person over there, They and then they start criticizing or gossiping. That has not happened one time. And so I believe, if I am correct, that the gift that you will give both to the Lord and certainly to your pastor will be the gift of working together and praying together and loving each other because in all of our differences, praise God, we are bound together by the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what makes a church different. In fact, the psalmist says, behold how good and how pleasant it is. Now the word good and pleasant means essentially this is a sight to behold. And I know for a fact that I've been in churches. I've held meetings in churches. They were fragmented and fractured and divided and things were being said that were not true and hearts were broken and and pastors were burdened. And sometimes maybe even the pastor was a part of it. But the Bible says, Behold, take a look at, it is worth seeing, a church that is bound together in unity. Unity is what God loves, what God desires, and unity is what the devil hates. And so let me encourage you to, Remember the importance of unity. And by the way, unity is such that when we have it, we often take it for granted. And Some of you who have been parts of churches that have been divided with divisiveness, you know that when you lose it, you understand how important it is. And I believe that the heart of God has often been broken because his people were fractured and fussing and fuming. And Jesus said, was it not in John 13, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one towards another. In fact, in this particular text of uh, Psalms 133, it says that unity is like oil and it's like dew. The psalmist takes an element from the sacred and an element from the secular. Oil, sacred, dew from the secular world. But let me talk about the oil. In fact, in Psalm uh, 133, he says that this oil is like the precious oil that runs down the beard of Aaron. Now remember in the Old Testament, Aaron was a high priest. Aaron represented the people as he went before God. And as he faced the people, he represented God. And he was set aside for that holy purpose by oil. Oil was used in anointing the priest to say to men... These men have a sacred calling to do my holy work, God says. And so oil, of course, means that the Holy Spirit ought to be a part of our lives. And we as the church in the New Testament have been set aside for the single purpose of being Christ's representatives in the world and carrying the gospel to those who do not know know Jesus Christ. And folks, there are people right here in this community that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people around the world who have not even heard the name of Jesus. Did you know the name of our association is the Franklin County Missionary Baptist Association? Because at the core of what a church ought to be is we ought to be sent. Jesus said, I send you into all the world to preach the gospel. And there were t- the church at Acts was uh, to go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world. Oil was used to set apart the people of God in unity. And then, of course... Oil was used for healing. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? You remember he saw a man that had fallen among thieves and had been beaten and he went and the Bible tells us, I believe it's in Luke 11, that he bandaged him up and he poured on oil. And you remember the psalm is Psalm 23, when David was talking about the Lord. He says, The Lord anoints my head with oil. You see, David is talking from the perspective of the sheep, and, and oil was poured on the heads of the sheep to promote healing when they would have some problems. Oil is a healing agent, at least in the primitive mind. And the church ought to be a healing agent in the community. We ought to offer the gift of salvation. It ought to be at the core of who we are that we are united together. We don't always see eye to eye. We may be Democrat or Republican or, or independent, but we might be different things to different people. But at the core of who we are, we're children of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so we need unity in the church. Paul thought it was so important that when he was writing to the church at Ephesus, he said, Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, he says you have to work at it, endeavor to make a point of trying to be united as the people of God. And so I say to you as we moved from point one to point two that if we're going to be God's church in this community, if this church is going to be the light that shows forth the love of God and the blood sacrifice of Jesus, we must be united in the gospel and carrying the gospel and sharing the gospel. And then let me say secondly, I want you not only to remember how important unity is, for if you lose it, then you will understand how very important it is. I I believe for the most part when I was at Franklin Heights, we enjoyed unity, I I think we did, And, 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 and people who had been there for years and years and years just thought every church was that way. And the tendency is we take it for granted. But Paul reminded them to endeavor, make every effort to keep. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The second thing that I would remind you of is the importance of prayer. Now, I I recognize that you you know that I have said a lot about prayer because I do believe whether you agree with me or not that if you'll take an assessment and do an inventory honestly about the level of your prayer life. That'll just about tell you the level of your Christian life. I believe the manner in which you spend time with God, if you are a professing Christian and you have no time in the day to spend time with God, you are saying a lot about the deficiency of your Christian experience. That is the reason Samuel, who was both a prophet and a priest, he said this, He said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Samuel was that man who not only represented God to the people, but he represented the people to God. He was a prophet, but he was also a priest. And he said, God forbid that I would sin against the Lord. He is saying to us, That the lack of prayer is not a weakness, the lack of prayer is a sin. And then in chapter 12, Samuel said this Now then stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do to be done before your eyes. And then it says, So the people stood and all of the Lord and Samuel. Samuel was such a man of prayer that when he said, now people of Israel, stand still and listen and look and see what God will do for you. And it said that they stood and they were in awe, not only of God, but of Samuel I say in my Christian experience, the men and women who have touched my heart, the men and women who have enabled me to grow as a Christian, have been, in women, have been men and women who knew something about the prayer closet. You'd be surprised how much Jesus talked about prayer. Prayer is absolutely essential. I brought today, I don't know if I've done this before, but every year I make one of these. In fact, the drawer that I looked at yesterday, I found eight of these in one drawer. I have some in my study outside. I have them in my living room where I have my time with God. Let me encourage you who want to go on further with the Lord. To organize your prayer life. Every day is committed to a different day. And I have literally probably over a hundred names. Now this one I maybe is five, six, seven years old. I don't, I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is, folks, if we, if we really want to go deeper with the Lord, if we really want to go and know what Paul, when the, uh, a prophet said, press on to know the Lord. One way we do that is to have some time. It could be a minimum of 10 minutes a day where we read the Word of God and we spend time talking to God, thanking Him. Folks, we've got a lot to be thankful for. If you've got a home that doesn't leak, if you've got a home that you have heat in, if you've got food on the table, if you have a car that'll get you from point A to point B, if you're able to go to the doctor. Folks, we've got a lot to be thankful for. People in Ukraine and people in Gaza, what if we live there? People in Russia, there are people all over the world and they don't even know where the next meal is coming for. Would to God that the people of God who have been abundantly blessed would take a few minutes a day And thank God for it. Amen. And so I want to underscore if we're going to be the people God wants us to be, we must be people of prayer. Prayer Prayer's worship, prayer's work, and prayer's warfare. And the devil will try to keep you from your place of prayer. He will make you so busy. He will tell you you've got things to do. And because of that, you will not cut out a period of the day when you can spend time with God. I believe the best part of my day has to do with my time with the Lord. And throughout the day, and please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, but I believe in the last five, ten years, The Lord has taught me something about what it means to pray without ceasing. To be in a spirit of prayer each day, through the day, to be aware that I carry in my life the Holy Spirit and God says don't grieve the Spirit and don't quench the Spirit and if I'm going to be that kind of Christian, I must be in harmony with the will of God. And in the morning when I spend, and I'm not going to tell you how much time, but I ask the Lord, Lord, let me today not grieve your spirit, not quench your spirit. Lord, if there's somebody today that you want me to share my faith with, let me be aware Of the prompting of your spirit. Folks, prayer is important. Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And when Paul wrote to his young mentor, or one he was mentoring, Timothy, Paul said this to Timothy. I urge you then, talking about Timothy, the young man in the ministry, I urge you then, first of all, that request, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. And I had a godly man. He's gone on to be with the Lord. His name was Dr. Stephen Olford. He he pastored a, a a church in New York City, and but he spoke all over the world. In fact, my wife and I had the privilege of being in New York at about one time. That's enough, and, uh, and and we went to his church, and I'd heard him preach when we were in college. He was a regular speaker where we met in college, and his name was Doctor Stephen Olford, and. And Dr. Stephen Oford said to preachers to whom he was preaching, he said, you young men that are entering the ministry, it is imperative that you spend time with God. And I say to you that prayer is more important than some of you think. You need to be disciplined. You need to give God a part of your day. Pray for one another. And Encourage one another. Be people of prayer. Paul is instructing Timothy to make prayer a priority. And one of the things in my life has been, Lord, I get old, I ache, I can't preach like I used to, but Lord, I can pray. We can't get around like we used to, when I first moved here, it never occurred to me that this church was kind of on a hill at the bottom. <laughs> but it's amazing in the last year how many steps sometimes you have to get up just to get here. <laughs> and my body is getting older, but I, but I believe with all my heart until we go home to be with the Lord, it, it, we can pray you can pray in your bed. There are men and women of God whom, whom God lo- loved and used who were men and women of prayer, even on their sickbed. And finally, let me just say a word about, yeah, it's got to be a word. <laughs> Remember, God is always faithful. And I want to speak now to some of you the psalmist said in Psalm 145, 13b, says, the Lord is faithful to all his promises. I dare say, now isn't this true, I dare say about five or six months ago, y'all were wondering if y'all were ever going to get a preacher. And you were wondering about how faithful God was. I don't think, you know, the Lord just won't answer our prayer. But you see, God is always faithful. Now he's faithful on his time frame, not ours, Right? And he's going to answer prayer according to his will. And I hope you don't think this yet last year has been a waste of time. If you do, you've hurt my feelings. (laughs) And I'm going to pout. (laughs) Psalm 146, 6 says, The Lord who remains faithful forever. And I love this from Lamentations. Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. He, it says, great is your faithfulness. And then it was Thomas Chisholm who wrote that great song. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Some of you are going through a grieving period. God is still faithful. Some of you are going through life-threatening diseases. God is still faithful. God is faithful on the top of the mountain. God is faithful in the valley of the shadow of death. God is faithful when the sun is shining. And God is faithful in the storms of life let it be said and let it be engraved on the tablets of our hearts. Our God is a faithful God. And John wrote in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, and that was written to Christians, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful today that even when we sin and when we fall short, there is a faithful God who forgives us at, from our, our sins. Thank God for his faithfulness. Faithfulness to answer prayer. Faithful to meet us in our weakness. Faithful to help us in our time of infirmity. God is faithful. And so I want to write on the tablets of your heart today. As I close, remember unity is important to the family of God. Remember the Bible puts a great importance on one's prayer life. And finally, remember God is faithful. May God bless you as you enter this new chapter. I am thankful for you. I'm praying and have been for that pastor. I've already got his name written in my prayer journal. And I will pray for him, and I will pray for you. Let us pray. Father, I thank you today for your word, and I thank you for this church, and I ask, Lord, that you just have your will, have your way. I just pray, oh, Father, that today, if you have spoken to any heart and there needs to be some movement on their part, that you would uh, make that clear. We're grateful, Lord, and we're thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.